screedle deedle, a doodly dee, a screedle deedly doo. Sidekicks and henchmen out there in the Geek Nation, you're listening to Gutter Talk. Gutter Talk! I'm Johnny Destructo, a.k.a. the Thwip Tribble. And I'm Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And with us this week is... Brandon, a.k.a. Childish Brandino Tribble. And uh, we're here to talk about news and comics and all sorts of what-have-yous, but first we got some... gutter. Oh, yeah. Hey, Len, why do we call it Gutter Talk? I'm glad you asked, Len. This show is called Gutter Talk because many people may not be aware that the white areas outside the border, outside the panels mm-hmm. on a comic book page, have historically been called the, the gutters. gutters. Yeah. So I feel like we have to occasionally yeah. let people know, because I think people think that it's a racier show than it is, because mm-hmm. they're like, get your head out of the gutters. Yeah. But we Excuse keep me. ours firmly um, implanted. There is surprisingly lack of boobies in your gutter talk. <laughs> uh, we got letters. Oh, we got letters. Oh, we got lots, lots and, and lots, lots and lots and lots, and lots, lots of letters. letters. This one is from Dan D. Danny Dinkies. Danny Dink Dinks. If I could turn back time, man, y'all both brought back memories I identified with specifically. Street boxing. Ah. Ironically, earlier this week, I seen my friend who I did box in the street. It was so fun, even though he got my lip swole. <laughs> if we were to do it today, he'd lose in the first two to three minutes. Oh, don't we all like to wish so? <laughs> Confidence in talking to women, I 1,000% would do over to JD. I, too, was the guy who can sit and talk for hours on end about whatever, something my wife at times still doesn't get till this day. I should have tried harder with a few. Oh, well, if I did, I wouldn't have my three daughters now. Nice. Yeah. Skating, too. Even though I couldn't ollie, if it were to save my life, uh, it pisses me off every time I'm in my old neighborhood where they now have a skate Skate park. park. Mm. P.S., I told y'all Brandon needed to be a partner in the show, and I'm glad he's now a staple. I mean, I don't know. Dumb man, Dan Dinkins. <laughs> uh, it's nice to be thought of that way. Yeah. I don't know if I'm necessarily, yeah. So I, too, wish I had a skate park in my neighborhood. Uh, I live in Maniunk, and I wish that there's like a there's a parking lot that I can just go kick around in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it would be better if I could ollie, because then I could actually grind on some stuff. But still haven't mastered the ollie yet. So uh, I have to drive 20 minutes to get to the indoor skate park, which is called the Foundry. Or I could go to the outdoor skate park, which is by the Philadelphia Art Museum. You may or may not know from the Rocky movies. Uh, there's a nice, really, really nice skate park right by the Art Museum. So either way, i got to get in the car and go to a skate park. Mm-hmm. I wish I could just hop down the street and do some stuff. But... Um, uh, anyway, that's it. Let me ask for those who may not know, including I. I think I, I think I know, but I'm probably wrong. What exactly is an ollie? Well, I'm so glad you asked me, Len. Did you did you notice earlier you called me Len? 
Did I? You said I'm so when I said hey Len and I asked your question. You said I'm so glad you asked me that, Len. Oh. Sometimes he can't keep his own name straight. Uh, so I'm vain. The I bet you think this song is about. Um, I will tell you what an ollie is. An ollie is. Um, it started off as a trick in a bowl when you were going and you would drop into a, a pool, say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, to you know to skate in a bowl. One of the tricks was an ollie. Okay. Um, and that was taking the board up with you because until that point, in order to, like, if you would go up past the lip of the bowl into the air, right. you would grab the board so that it's stuck with you in order for you to on, drop on the way back, back down. In. Yeah. Right. So then someone came along, and I forget who it was, part of the Bones Brigade, came in and started doing it without holding on to it, and that was called an ollie. So that you're actually able to go past the lip of the bowl and the, into the air, and the board just stays with you. Yeah. Now, when you do it, are you just going straight up or are you like curving? Is it when people oh, like you, curve? Both. Okay. Wow. Both of those things. So it's the ability to keep your board kind of with you in midair. Ah. Now, that is the original Ollie. The more, the more um, used Ollie, I would say, is the one where you're street skating and you kick the back foot of your board, the tail which propels the board upwards, mm-hmm. and then you drag your front foot along the top of the board in order to level it out, Right, and right. then you land on it. Okay, so that's the three, ollie that I've always... Yeah, it's sort of a three-step process yeah. that all happens simultaneously, okay. and you have to get it so that your body can do it, and mm-hmm. then it has to become muscle memory. Mm-hmm. So I, I can kind of almost do one standing still, but certainly can't do it moving forward, like rolling with your board. It's a lot more difficult than it sounds. It, no, it sounds very difficult. So, yeah, and, you know, of course, if you land wrong, then whoop, yeah. the, the board goes out and you land on whatever part of your body is, is <laughs> the uh, least, the most vulnerable. So, yeah, that's an ollie. Okay, cool. Yeah. But, I mean, that's, okay, so if, you're, if I'm skating through Maniunk on the street, I cannot get onto the pavement without a ramp. Mm-hmm. Like one of those wheelchair ramps up onto yeah, the pavement, yeah. you would have to ollie up onto it, right. and, you, and then skating becomes that much um, more useful. Right. You know, what I mean, like right now, I have to like get off my board and carry it onto the sidewalk. <laughs> Are you saying you can't do it? Is it you or is it the board? Because you have a slightly bigger board, right? Oh, see, that's my. Um, I have a long board, right? So it's be... for cruising. Yeah, it's it's a much you know you get more distance with each push right. than you do. I have an actual skateboard mm-hmm. and that's a much smaller board that's for tricks and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I can't get either of those off the ground. Mm. So you are specifically talking about you as opposed to the board itself. Yeah. Right. Mm. Right. Gotcha. gotcha. So that answers your question. Um, anything else? Was that anything else to answer? That's pretty much it. You know, thank you, Danny. Thank D. you, Dan, for your email dog. Yeah. We got another one from Brandon Payton called Child's Play. Ooh, Brandon. What's up, fellas? You. Len? Yes. I knew you were cool. Thank you. Glad you got out of bum-ass Central High School. (laughs) Northeast High School forever. Respect to King, though. Okay, I hear you, bro. I hear you. I grew up, this is a side note, I grew up a block, two blocks away from Northeast High School. Oh, and you didn't, up, you didn't go there? I didn't go there. Um, I, I went to uh, Wilson Middle School, which is also in that same little neighborhood, yeah. a couple blocks away. Uh, I went to LaSalle High School. Oh, mm. uh, uh, high school for boys. Yes. I, I actually 
um, visited there when I was looking for high schools, hmm. and my parents determined that was a little bit further than they wanted me to go. Oh yeah, Would northeast. Um, no, LaSalle. Oh, LaSalle. Oh, LaSalle oh, high school for boys. Uh, anyway, I'm glad you liked Child's Play, JD, but I can't see it. I've never been able to watch the Child's Play movies. My mother used to have a massive doll collection in our house. Mm. <laughs> they were usually the expensive porcelain dolls, but one of those dolls was three foot tall and plastic. Mm. After I watched Child's Play for the first time, I locked that doll in the closet, <laughs> and I still couldn't get to sleep. And I still don't mess with dolls as a result. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those movies for me. Kind of like how Jaws kept people from going to the beach and Candyman kept boys from going in the public bathrooms. <laughs> or at least it did for my friends. I guess. I got So I guess my question for you guys is, what horror movie made you fear something that was otherwise mundane? Oh, a bonus question. RoboCop made me think every drop of strange water that hit me was acid for like a year. Wow. So that's from Brandon Payton. That's a good question. That it's is right up my question. alley. I like me some horror movies. So uh, let's start with Brandon because I believe, and I don't want to call mm -hmm. you out here, I believe you may be the most horror movie sensitive of the group. Yeah, because it's not. So I don't really have one necessarily, but my thing is that like whenever I see anything that even could be construed as scary, it doesn't necessarily scare me, but then I start like getting like I start thinking a lot about it, and mm -hmm. so it gets in my head. So I'll tell a funny story. Um, <laughs> there's this <laughs> there's this episode of the show That's So Raven, and it was a Halloween episode. Oh my god, I love you. And Raven and her friend somehow started turning into cows. Like they started it's cows. Yeah, the they started things. growing yeah. ears, and they had like a snout. And by the end, they were full on cows. And like as I was watching it. I was like, oh, this is just funny. It's whatever. But then that night, I dreamt that Raven and her friend, in their like mid cow form, were like coming to get me. So that's the type oh of thing that happens God. when I watch things, which Sweet is why I don't watch horror movies. Of a human. And in the movie, they weren't even like mean or anything. They no, were just they like were cows. Just cows. <laughs> but I was like, oh, they're gonna somehow turn me into a cow, and I got terrified. So You're that was so a thing. Cute. All right. <laughs> that's um, adorable. Yeah. All right, so that is um, Brandon's G-rated version, <laughs> answer to the question. And mine, it took me a little bit of thinking, because, you know, when I first thought scary movies that scared me, Nightmare on Elm Street comes to mind. That mm -hmm. terrified me when I was a kid. Like, that damaged me for weeks. Uh, I could not sleep. had trouble sleeping for weeks after Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Mm -hmm. And uh, even as recently as Paranormal Activity, I had trouble falling asleep after those movies like nothing really happens that much in the first one and i go home and everything's fine and i get in bed and i have trouble sleeping because a ghost is going to pull me out of my bed i hear you and when i, when I, I can't was, swing i can't punch it when i was a kid there was only two movies that scared me uh it was there was a remake a 70s remake of dracula with franklin jella oh. and that only scared me because i did the one thing you're not supposed to do when you see a horror movie is I looked away from the screen. Like oh, I that's spent, so much worse. I spent the entire movie looking into my popcorn so that yeah. when I got home and inevitably dreamt about it, it was so much worse uh -huh. than when years later I actually saw it. Yeah. It actually was. Uh, and then the only other thing that scared me, and this was actually before I ever saw Frank Langella, there was this movie which I didn't know was a TV movie at the time. I just it was a movie on TV, and it was called The Screaming Woman. 
and it was all about this woman, this old lady who could not get people to believe her that she was hearing these somebody crying out every time she would go to this park um and, and nobody wanted to believe her and lo and behold this there was actually somebody that was buried alive that was trying to get help and, oh shit and that freaked nope. me out as a kid because i would spend almost every saturday going to the neighborhood park to play basketball and then at, I would make sure to leave the park before it got nighttime because I did not want the screaming woman to be coming after me in in the dark. Hmm. Um, I like I like the so I've go- immediately Googled it. Of course, a wealthy former mental patient goes home to her estate to rest and recuperate. While walking the grounds one day, she hears the screams of a woman coming from underneath the ground who has been buried alive. Yes, her family, however, refuses to believe her story and sees the incident as an opportunity to prove the woman's mind has snapped, so they can take control of her money. Yes, C- classic. You know, now that you, yeah. you know, now looking back at it is like classic, you know, like TV. 1972. I believe it. I believe it. Is it, um, is it, it's not Olivia de Havilland that started. It is. Oh, there you go. Damn. There you go. Yeah, um, that, that scared me as a kid. So, uh, actually, the piggy, <laughs> I haven't gotten to answer the question yet. Yeah, I know. We but have. to piggyback off of your piggyback, um, what was the first thing you said? Um... Look, not, not looking at the screen. Not, yeah, yeah. not looking at the screen. Yeah, I yeah. have a similar experience where I was at a sleepover party. It was my friend's birthday. It was a bunch of dudes, kids, you know, I guess maybe 11, 12. Mm-hmm. And we were watching Creep Show 2 on VHS in the dark. And first we watched Lost Boys. Okay. Classic. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Not too scary, but just scary enough to mm-hmm. be like spooky, right? And then we put on Creep Show 2. And we watched the one with the wooden Indian Native American statue. Oh, okay. And then there was the raft, mm-hmm. which was the one with the toxic goo that like eats people. It's like yes. a venom symbiote in the water. And that scared the bejesus out of me. And that had damaged me so much that by the time we got to the third story called The Hitchhiker or something, um, this woman is- Oh, keeps hitting the- Keeps hitting the same dude, right? Yeah, he yeah, keeps yeah. showing up. She, she hit and runs- and then he keeps stalking her right, on her way home. Right, right. I, after the first, thanks for the ride, lady. <laughs> I had to put my head down, and I wasn't watching, and all I, all I could hear was the horrible <laughs> crunching and thanks for the ride, ladies, and screams. And that was the worst decision I could have made because that haunted me for weeks after that as well. Yep. Uh, but to answer the question, uh, what was a movie that made you afraid of a mundane thing? Now, I don't know... If clowns are inherently scary or if we learn to be afraid of clowns, because Mm -hmm. I think if you ask any adult, how about clowns? I think kind of most of the time you'll get a, oh, I hate clowns. They're so creepy. Yeah, a lot of them. But um, I don't know if children legitimately like clowns. Mm. I don't know. You know, anyway, Poltergeist came out and at the foot of that kid's bed was a clown doll. Oh, we're back on dolls. Damn it. It's yeah. still a doll. Because dolls, but man. It's a it's a clown doll at the yep. foot of his bed. And then the lightning flashes and he looks at it and he's just staring. He's just yep. staring at that doll. And then, of course, this lightning flashes and disappears and then he's gone. Mm-hmm. And then the doll reappears and it's got super long arms. arms and starts attacking the kid. 
I think that may have been what was like damaged me towards clowns. <laughs> clowns that did it. But yeah, so I think clowns for me would be my answer. Clowns can be creepy, mm-hmm. right? And I understand where people their fear of clowns can manifest even as a kid or even as an adult. Yeah. Because it is just a creepy visage. Mm-hmm. It just never did that for me, right? But the idea of a clown doll, that definitely is creepy. That definitely creepy. Because I remember when I was young, you know how you had like the toy punching bags? Yeah. And I had a Bozo the Clown punching I know, bag. I know exactly the and one. And I remember having that, John, like uh, back when I was when I was growing up, all our toys were in the basement and we where our the one color TV was mm-hmm. back when I was growing up. Uh, and we'd be down there late at night um, until all hours of the night on a Friday or Saturday. And, you know, we're watching the TV by the glow, by the glow of the TV. Mm-hmm. And the TV was on the far end of the basement. And my mother would be going upstairs and everybody go upstairs and they say, y'all downstairs watching the TV? Like, yeah, it's like, okay. And they turn off the light in the basement. Mm-hmm. But we're fine because we still got the TV. But then, off of the glow, you'd catch, the glow would catch the smile of Bozo mm-hmm. from far away Across looking at the us. Basement. And we're like, we realize, that's just the punching bag, it's Bozo. Yeah. But at some point, we have to turn off the TV. Yeah, yeah. And we've got to now navigate past Bozo. <laughs> that, was, that was a bridge too far. Yeah, yeah. One of us is going to have to go now while the TV is on to, turn to go on turn the on the light. light. At least you guys got that far. Yeah, I mean, at least you thought of it ahead of time. Yes, yes. Yeah. But but as, as as twin siblings where one is a girl and one is the boy, you can guess which one always had to go and turn on the light. Mm-hmm. But anyway, getting back into the whole, the whole dolls thing, I have a thing. You know, dolls can creep me out. But yeah. what creeps me out more than dolls are ventriloquists. Mannequins. Oh, nightmare fuel. Oh my God, those are horrific. Yeah, it's like someone. It's like someone, Geppetto, had yeah. seen like dolls and went, "Now how can I make these more horrifying?" Yes. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Nailed it. Yes. Yeah. Now, you know, you watch the classic Twilight Zone episodes. Mm-hmm. I think there's about two or three that deal with a ventriloquist yep. dummy, and they're they're creepy, and they they, they scare me a little bit. But, again, in the 70s, maybe the 80s, but I'm pretty sure in the 70s, there was a movie called Magic. Yeah, there was. With Anthony Hopkins. I just watched it a couple months ago for the first time. Man, as maybe about 10, 11 years old, whenever that came out and I saw that movie, I was done with ventriloquist dummies almost forever. Not that I can still, I can watch one do a comedy act. But if I know a movie is about a ventriloquist dummy, like, you know what? I'm good. Mm-hmm. I don't need to see that. Been there, done that. I've peed my pants. Thank you. <laughs> so, we should have just had done, done a, <laughs> a dummy podcast. So, um, I just saw that movie, Magic. It's great. Oh, it's a good movie. It, it holds up. Yes. Because when I see, there's you know, there's something about... 70s 80s movies there's a there's a handful of ventriloquist dummy horror films yes yeah yeah and i think they're cheesy i don't know if they were like in vogue at the time but like for some reason they kept being like these are nightmares let's make movies about them um so yeah i saw that one i saw dead silence mm-hmm. um but uh yeah it was it was surprisingly good would you know what like, seeing it as an adult what 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 year was magic 
because it, it, I'm pretty sure it was the 70s, maybe. I want to say it was the late 70s. Late 70s, right? And 1978, year I was born. So, and that, movies at that time, don't get me wrong, there was plenty of cheesy movies back then. But a lot of the horror movies of that time, it wasn't about gore and stuff. It no. was about, It was about being thrilling and mm -hmm. the, the, the suspense of it, you know? That's why... Some of the best ones of that era still hold up. The Amityville, mm -hmm. Amityville Horror, uh, Rosemary's Baby, even though mm -hmm. that that precedes that. The um, The Exorcist, you know, some some of the best ones of those hold up because of that. You know, there was a craft in the uh, the filmmaking that I think got lost later in the seventies and definitely into the 80s. oh, well, definitely in the eighties. That's partly because they couldn't, right? Like they couldn't show, they couldn't like do big stuff with like cgi right right so it had to be practical so. well no yeah but the, some of the practical effects especially in horror movies Yo. is preferred right Yo. you yeah. know so it wasn't about it wasn't that they didn't have the effects to do it it's just that the stories mm. were d just that much better written mm -hmm. you know it was about just suspense you yeah. know trying to just scare you not just you know like horror not horror not shock you, you. Right, right. Just about, you know, titillate you a little bit. So, just real quick, Magic, I don't know if you know, do you know it was based on a book by William Goldman? I think I, I only know that because of when William Goldman died. I, I think I may be right about that. Yeah, he had written Butch Cassidy and the Sundance mm -hmm. Kid, All the President's Men, Marathon Man, um, and he wrote the novel for The Princess Bride yeah. that they based yeah. the, movie the movie on. Right. So... So you've got William Goldman. It's directed by Rich, Richard Attenborough. Oh, my God. There you go. Sir Richard Attenborough. Mm -hmm. for, for those who don't know, maybe younger people, he is the old man in, in Jurassic Park. Yep, yep. And uh, starring Anthony Hopkins and Margaret Burgess Meredith. Yeah. Come wow. on. Look so that. That, that's, that's why I put it on, because I saw like the little, little thumbnail of the doll, and I went, who gives a crap about the... And then I saw all of that A-list, yeah, all those names, and it's really good. It's 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 excellent. I really liked it. I was surprised at how good it was. Um, but anyway, uh, while I was googling that, because uh, I was trying to find the name of um, that movie, and I came ac across top ten scariest doll horror films while we're on the subject. Okay. So, did you ever see Making Contact? No. Me neither. I have no idea what this movie is, but it's the top eight. Uh, number seven is Trilogy of Terror from 1975, which has a little like a, like a little voodoo doll kind of thing that comes in life and tor tortures this woman. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah that, that was pretty. That was a good one. It's got a little spear. Yeah. Um, Saw is number six. Uh, that's not a. That's not a doll movie. Yeah. There is a little Saul doll. He rides his little tricycle. Yeah. I want to play but, a girl. But he's really not the, the nah. heart of that movie. Nobody now, fears the doll. Now, to, to uh, but what I will say is that the first Saul, I think, is an underrated good movie. I mean, I think it's pretty rated. I mean, I think everyone, I mean, Saul's like a modern classic, isn't it? Like, yeah. I as think far so, as yeah. modern horror is concerned. Okay. I, I, it flew not off be, the rails. If but. it gets referenced in a Marvel movie, it's a modern classic. Yeah, people like Saul. Is that the litmus test? Pretty much, yeah. The first Saw is, is, still holds up. Carrie Elwaves is not doing his best work in that film. Uh, I always thought Carrie Elwaves was a really outstanding actor, but I think he's more of a comedic actor. Uh, I didn't really buy his his performance in, in Saul, the mm -hmm. original. 
Um, he's actually the leak, weak link in the film. Mm. But yeah, as far as like the story and the twist and all that sort of stuff, love it. Number four is the one that I already mentioned, which is Poltergeist 1982, that scary clown doll. Yes. Number two, Dead Silence 2007. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize that was... I thought that was further back. I Dead know. That's, but further back, but that's already 12 years ago. You yeah, shut up. <laughs> and then uh, The Conjuring and Annabelle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anna, Annabelle. You know what's going to be... Might get uh, name-checked on there in years down the line? Toy Story 4. Oh, yeah? Oh, um, yeah. Oh, see, I, I, Toy Story 1, the little... Um, Tarantula, there's like it's got oh. spider legs and like a baby doll head. When um, Woody goes and sees uh, under the there's like under the, the bed or something. There's like the yeah, who, who is like the neighbor's doll. the neighbor Sid, Sid, yeah, yeah the Sid's Sid. dolls that he's yeah. done like amalgamated into these creepy R's. Yeah, those are pretty brutal. What? Oh, I was gonna say, I see there's a 1997 Dead Silence, but it's not a doll movie, so it's probably not. Um, so anyway, I just thought that would be a cute little rundown of uh, scary doll movies in case anyone wanted to go watch them. Yeah, feel free to enjoy yourselves. Yeah. Because <laughs> I ain't joining you. Um, all right. So that was, did I, we read that those was emails? It? Yes. Oh, yes. There, was a, there was a sub-question. What was the sub-question? It wasn't really a sub-question. It was a comment about RoboCop. It was about RoboCop and the water scary. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was just a commentary about that. But I agree, water is scary. This is why I only drink soda and juice. They are very dirty. Yeah, it does not bathe. Uh, all true. right, so thank you, everyone, for writing in. You could email us if you would like to. You can email us at blacktribbles at gmail.com. Or cultpopgo at gmail.com. And you know what? We don't get nearly enough voicemails. So you can actually go to cultpopgo.com, click on the bright red banner on the right of the site, and you can talk directly into your phone uh, and leave us a voicemail. We'll play it on the show. Yeah, feel yeah. free. So what, what's up next, Leonard? Well, you've got a uh, bug up your bonnet or bee up your I have a your bee in my, in my rectum. Is that the, That's the old phrase, right? Yeah, yeah, I got exactly. a real bee in my rectum. Yes, as a retailer yeah. about so, a certain thing that happened this week. Quite surprising. I, I, there are two things. It's all the same thing, but I feel two ways about it. One is that... I like what Robert Kirkman did this week. So for anyone who does not know, Robert Kirkman has said for a long time that I think he said he was going to go up to 300 issues of Walking Dead. He's like hinted at that before. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. So today dropped number 193. Yes. And it was a double-sized issue. We got it in yesterday, and I went, oh, that's a weird big old issue. I didn't even realize it was going to be double-sized. I wonder Right, because it was unsolicited as such and everything like that. The big thing already happened in the book. I figured mm. if anything was going to happen, that would be... The double-sized issue. And I believe this is actually the issue after the big thing. Yeah. yeah. I think I think he might have mentioned that this thing in the last issue, though. No, he did not. Oh, I thought I heard that at the end of... That doesn't matter. So, uh, yeah, I got it in. And I do what I normally do, which is I order for my subscribers, of which, mm. let's say I pick a number. I have 12 subscribers to The Walking Dead. And then I order an extra copy to put on my shelf. Now... People don't come in off the street just asking for Walking Dead. So I have a stack of those extra issues that go on the shelf, still on the shelf. Mm -hmm. Even even though the big thing happened last issue. 
So I think the way that Robert Kirkman plays with our expectations and is even able to surprise retailers, even though we read all the previews and we know what's coming two months in advance, he was still able to fool us because I've already ordered issues 194 and 195. Right. Next he's month already and the month solicited after. them. Yeah. That have fake covers. Yes. And fake um, information about them. Yeah. And why are we calling those fake yeah. covers and fake information? Because this is the last issue of The Walking Dead. Yes. He just, without telling anybody, was like, series over. You're welcome. Done. Which I think is ballsy and cool and fun. And it's a nice surprise. You know, Retailers are rarely surprised these days, yes. but he continues to do it. Yes. He did it before with Die, 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 his, his other current series that's going on. Didn't say it was dropping a new series. He just took my orders of Oblivion Song his and other said, book. here's how many Oblivion Songs you ordered last month. You ordered four copies. Here's four free Die, Die, Dies number one that you can put on yourself. No one knows it's coming. Now, to be fair, those die, die, dies are still sitting there. No one, They're die, die, dying on yeah, the shelf. No one is reading that book in my shop. So I got maybe two subscribers. So, um, but my point is, real cool. Yeah. Real cool surprise. He's trying to bring back the days of, your, of old. Yeah. When you didn't know. The internet did not exist. And, mm -hmm. oh my God, I walked into a comic book shop and there is The Dark Knight Returns. I didn't even know this was coming. Mm-hmm. So that is very cool, and I love the surprise element of it. However, as a retailer, I have a couple of thoughts. I did not know this was going to be the last one. Mm -hmm. So again, I ordered my 12 for my 12 subscribers and an extra one for the shelf. Yeah. And now that everyone knows this is the last issue of Walking Dead, mm -hmm. people are calling me. I've had five calls already today that they want the last issue of Walking Dead, which I already sold before, um, and by sold I mean, you know, air quotes, Noel, who has been on the show and is my co-host on, spoiler alert, he was like, oh, you know what? I want to catch up on Walking Dead. Can you just put the next one in my bin? Mm -hmm. So he's not a subscriber, but I was like, oh, I got one extra copy of this double thick issue. I'll just throw it in his bin. Right. So it's already sold. It's already gone. So everybody who's called me today, I'm like, well, sorry. Um, I don't have it. So I'm feeling that way about being a retailer and not having it for these customers. I could be selling these people this book. Yes. I would have doubled, doubled my order had yes. I known it was the final issue of Walking Dead. Because I knew we would get some people come off the street. It's a brand name. People know it's a household name, I should say. And people are going to come in off the street just to see how it ends. Yes. So I don't have those for my customers. However, then I go, I don't like the speculator market of comic book collecting. Mm -hmm. And for those who don't know, the 90s bubble burst, the, the big boom of comics burst because of the speculator aftermarket. Yes. So a book would come out with multiple covers, the death of Superman would happen, Batman would have his back broken, whatever. And you would get all of the people off of the street who have never read a Batman book in their lives going, oh, if I go to the comic book store and I get this book where Batman had his back broken, I'm going to hold on to it for 10, 15 years and I'll be able to pay for my kid's college tuition. Yes. All of a sudden on newsstands, once again, comic books were prominently displayed and yep. some of them with $35 price tags on yep. them. And hundreds of copies just sitting on the shelf because you had that many people coming in to read these books thinking, oh man, yep. I'm going to make so much money. And no one seemed to stop and think 
For instance, when Superman died, there were literal lines around the blocks that had comic book stores in them. Mm-hmm. No one in those lines stopped to think, I'm in a line that goes around the block, which means all of these people are going to have this issue, which means no one, gonna, no one is going to need this issue. Because yes. we all own it. Yes, I'm already one line. of 100 just this hour. Yeah. <laughs> so I, that tickles me. But we st- it's still a thing. Like there's, there is, It's not as big as it used to be, but I still occasionally get people calling and coming in. And if, it, if they catch wind that it's a quote-unquote special issue, they will mm-hmm. come in and they'll try to buy multiple copies because they don't want to read it. They just want to hold on to it and hope that someday they'll, it'll make them money, which really burns my biscuits. I just, as someone who has been reading these books for decades mm-hmm. and likes to read them, and I don't really care if they're going to be worth anything, even though I, I someday wanted to have a store, it still was not a priority. Yeah. I, I wanted to read them because they're fun and, and they're creative and they, you know, they bring me things that other forms of media can't bring me. So when people come in asking for Walking Dead 193, even though I'm sold out, there's a line, tiny little piece of me that goes... Well, I'm glad I don't have issues for these speculators to come by. Does that make sense? It makes sense because you don't want to f- you don't want to feed that mentality. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I understand that. Uh, I'm also one of those stores that if a big book happens like this, and let's say I did have an extra stack of Walking Dead 193s, you still couldn't come into my shop. And buy all of the copies off the shelf. Right. I would limit it to one or two copies. Per like, you can have one. Because I do understand the either certain readers who just want to have one to put aside mm-hmm. and one to read. Yeah. That I'm fine with. Yeah. Anything over that, no, you can't have it. Because I want the next person to come in and be able to read the thing. I don't want you to hoard it in a box so that you could put it on eBay. Yeah. I want people who were there to enjoy the book to come and be able to enjoy the book. I see your point about that, but you already have the answer. So when the the speculator comes in, hey, there's only one to two copies per person. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. And see you walking. I would still feel, I would, as a retailer, would feel upset about this stunt because you, the retailer, and even more to the point, you, JD, mm-hmm. the oh so sensitive one, I am very sensitive, wants to have <laughs> that book here yeah. to sell. For to sell, but also for the person that has just innocently read this story, heard about this is the last yeah. of the the Walking Dead, and I want to see how it ends. I dropped off years ago because it was sort of meandering and right. a little repetitive, but I am curious about how it ends. You're right. You're right. Yeah, and you, you know. want to be able to have that on the shelf for them. Yeah, I you felt. I mean? See what I, what I'm trying to parse out, and I think you just helped me with that. Is my own hypocrisy of I don't like speculators, but as a retailer. I like exp- I like speculators because mm-hmm. they help drive sales. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'll take that as like I would have been nice to have a couple of extra for the people who legitimately want to see how Walking Dead ends. Now, the nice thing is is I went onto Diamond's website today to see if I could get any more of issue 193 first print, which I can't. It's out of print. Ah. But at the end of this month, they knew this was going to happen. So they're already working on the second printing. The second print will be out on the 21st or something like that. Okay. So, And that's um, the good part because that 
usually pretty much i would assume that would get rid of the speculators because everyone right. wants first printings yeah so i've had a couple of people ask me today oh you got that scratching their neck you got that walking dead and i say no but i can get you a copy of it and they go oh okay is that a second printing or a first printing it would be a second printing oh no that's okay or i can get you the second printing uh do you think that'll be worth as much I can't tell you the future. I have no idea. There you go. So you've already drummed in, you know. Yeah. You're dealing with them. They've already shown, you their know, hand. their hand. Yeah. So could the average person, mm -hmm. hey, it's sold out, but I can get it for you. All right, cool. Could you do that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So because that being said, I used to collect The Walking Dead. Me too. I was super into it. I stopped. I stopped so much that I've gotten rid of even my old trades because I really, because um. I, I realized that. Not only did I no longer care about the book, I don't even care about owning the book right. anymore. So, but there's a part of me that maybe wants to see how it how it wraps yeah. up. Yeah, at least so I can know. Like, ah, oh, all right, I'm interested in reading at least the last three issues. Yeah, because well, I yeah. want to know, especially yeah. with the big thing that happens in 192. Yeah, I just want to know out. what the big thing is because I've heard a lot of people talk about this big thing, and I read the book up to like one and like. 10 maybe or I something. I like that you don't know what the big thing is. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised just, you, Brandon, who I mean, literally has the internet Yeah, I just don't care enough to look at, to like seek it out. Yeah. So, and everyone who talks about it online says like, spoilers, and then in the text, in the post or whatever, they'll talk about it, but I just don't quit That's the good. post. That's so. good. I like that you've been able to avoid it. Yeah, cool. Mm. Um, so anyway, I just, those are a couple of my thoughts on The Walking Dead. I, I respect it, but I'm also frustrated by it. Um, I love it. Yeah. Oh, and props to Robert Kirkman for pulling it off. Yeah. It's also um, the I was just thinking now zombies are a thing because Marvel Zombies got announced. Marvel Zombies and Deceased. Right. Yeah. So we're having like another what? A zombie sans. Three. Of zombies. A zombasans. <laughs> a zombasans. Yeah. Which I have to uh, speaking about Deceased. Which when I heard it, interests me not at all. Yeah. Because, I rolled my eyes. Because I did too. Like you, and like you probably, Brandon, we thought, here's DC, 10 years late. Too late, yeah. To, to what's happening. But I do have to say, based on you, JD, having said that it is kind of fun. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, and then I was still like skeptical because I'm not really into horror comics mm. for the most part. But I at least paged through it. I saw that Tom King was writing it. Then Tom I'm so Taylor. Oh, it's Tom Taylor. Excuse me. Tom Taylor's writing it, who writes Injustice. And I do like Injustice. So mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, that might be interesting. But then I looked at the art, which mm. is by Trevor Hairskin. Hair scene. Is it hair scene? I always think there's a K in there. No. So it's hair scene. You know why? You're thinking of Erskine, right? Probably. From right. Captain, Mar Captain America. Probably. I right. used to do the same thing. Yeah. Um, Trevor, whose art. Uh, I always have liked. Mm -hmm. He was like a little bit, but um, when he first came out, he was like, you know, like uh, uh, definitely in the drawing like Brian Hitch, mm -hmm. you know, which was still good. But I can tell looking at this, he's developed mm -hmm. and has his own style. I would say nowadays he looks like Brian Hitch dipped into a little bit of early Doug Monkey. Mm. It's a little dirtier. Yeah, yeah, definitely a lot dirtier, and I can, I can see that. Mm -hmm. I can see that definitely when you bring that in. Um, 
and I like the look of the book. Yeah. And it doesn't, while it's still horror, it doesn't look like it's going for like super gory horror. Mm-mm. So I think that when, because I think it's supposed to be six issues. Yeah, it's a nice little. I think I would pick it up. Miniseries. And I think that's interesting. I think that kind of highlights the difference in gener. I think it's the difference in generations. You were interested in it because of the art. Personally, I'm someone, I don't care necessarily about art. I care about writers. Like for me right now, Tom Taylor is getting to a point where like if he writes something, I'm going to read it. I'm getting there too. He's starting to pique my interest. And so I think it's interesting that like for you guys, like you notice like artists and stuff Mm -hmm. like right off the bat and that'll be like a deciding factor in a book. For For me, I don't, if it's a writer I don't like, I'm not, I don't care who the artist is, I'm not going to get it. And like on the other hand, if it's a writer I do like, if the art isn't up to snuff that much, I'll still get it. Mm-hmm. So I think mm. that that's an interesting dichotomy. I am more art cognizant than I am writer. There are artists that even if I don't care about the book, writing, or story, but the artist is someone I like, I will buy that book. Becky Cloonan. There's a bunch of stuff that like I don't really care about the story of it, but I like Becky's art so much that I'll just buy the book anyway. And that's mm. another thing too is that like you you guys can like look at art and be like I know the who that is. Yeah. With me like I don't necessarily I can't obviously read something and be like I know who wrote it. But w- there's certain things where, like if I'm reading something I'll be like I know this is probably someone I like. Mm-hmm. Like in um DC's Nuclear Winter special there is right. uh there was a story I'm not going to say who the hero is because that's a reveal in it, but it's a short story. And I was reading it and I was like, this is really gripping me. And then I went and I looked and, oh, it's written by Tom Taylor. Ah. So it's like I'm starting to realize that like, there's certain writers that just have something that I like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, um, I'm going through that process right now. And it's a fun little, little piece of discovery um, when you find – you start to latch on to a, a new, quote-unquote, new writer, right? Um, right now, I'm dealing with that with Donny Cates. Yeah, he's another one. For me, it's Tom Taylor and Donny Cates. Yeah, they're, they feel similar, right? Yeah. They do kind of like big, bombastic, crazy stuff. Eh. I feel like Tom Taylor does like smaller stuff. You think? Injustice you thought Injustice small. was small? Injustice but is not small. Injustice is big, but I feel like the best parts of Injustice are like the character parts. Oh, I see, I see, I see. I, I, I believe. Yeah. I certainly look for, you know... Art will pull me in because to me, um, how the art is telling the story is very important to me. But it still has to be a story that looks like it's interesting to me. Mm -hmm. I like Injustice. I like Injustice a lot. But one of the most frustrating things about Injustice is that it's multiple artists. So the art dips from story to story. You know, so it's. Thank God the writing is good. Honestly, I, I don't know who the people are on that who were on that book. Because I don't think it exists anymore. But none of the artists were ones that would make me read a book. Right. No. They were there to service the story. Some of them were good enough that it got the story over. Yeah. But, yeah, none of them would, would sell a book. Yeah. yeah I'll tell you, one of them is one of those comic skate guys, and I forget which one it is, but that's what has soured me on it a little bit. Mm. It, you said that, um, so I know at least as far as the compendiums that I buy, because I only buy the compendium, it was year four and i know there's a year five so is that actually going to be the last year no that was that was the last of that but then there was injustice two so then there was like a year of that 
Oh, I think I think it was just one year, and then oh, I don't know. I I've got. I just buy the years, right? Whatever the yearbooks. Because the the original game, it was like there's something that happens in the beginning, and then it jumps five years. Mm-hmm. So the comic told that was five years, but then Injustice Two is I think a year after the end of Injustice One, which if you're reading just the years, you're not gonna get the actual story of the game because the this the comic just leads up to the game, and then there's the game, and then there's a comic for Injustice Year Two that takes place after the game and leads up to. Injustice to the game, right? Whatever. Yeah, but it's still fun. Yeah. Oh, I'm enjoying the book. Although I think Year Five, I don't know if it's written by Tom Taylor. I don't know. I know one of them. I think isn't, and it, I and felt I it was a drop even, in quality. Am I, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't there a mini series that was like? By there was. It was like ground point of view of Harley. Yeah, I think it was like Ground Zero or something. Yeah. And that, yeah, yeah. that I think is from Harley's perspective, and that is the game. Yeah. But I haven't checked it out, so I don't really know. Yeah. But. Anyway, uh, so is that your your speculator? Yeah, my thing? rant, my your little rant. That little you rant. To get out I was of. feeling some kind of way about you it. You was in your feelings, dog. Yeah, I think, and I think it's because you were being inundated by so many phone calls. Yeah, that's the other thing is I was like kind of complaining about it, and then I would have to answer the phone and be like, "Nope, sold out of Walking Dead. I can get you the second printing." Ah, oh, no, that's okay. <sighs> and you were having a certain back and forth with somebody. I don't know if this somebody listens to the show. No. Oh, good, because this person was getting on your goddamn nerves. My goddamn nerves. Yeah. It's just one of those things where, like, people will ask me a question, and then I'll answer it, but then they'll go, oh, but what about blank? And I'm like, no, but I've answered the question. For instance, this is is just a for instance. Mm -hmm. Someone called me today, and they said, hey, do you guys buy cards? And I said, uh, what, do you, what do you mean? Like, well, no, I don't really buy cards, but what do you mean? They're like, oh, like superhero cards from the 90s. And I was like, oh, no, I don't really have a market for that, so I don't buy any cards. Oh, okay, but because, because I got this, like, I got a whole binder full of cards. Okay, cool. Uh, no, we don't buy any cards. Mm-hmm. Like, you saying you have a binder of them does not make me change my mind and say, yeah, I'll buy some cards. So, anyway, it was, sort of, it was similar. It was akin to that. Speaking of the speculator uh, market, of the 90s yeah how often a week do you get people coming in with boxes and boxes of 90s comic books Uh that they are trying to unload um if i had if i sold a comic book for every time someone came in asking me to buy their comic books (laughs) i'd be all right so many times a week, people, hey, I get phone calls. I get people who come to the shop. They bring me their books. Hey, can you look at these? Which is fine, you know, because some people generally don't know. Some people um, have been left their collections from, from, from a family member, True. and they honestly don't know what they're looking at. And they, they just need a helping hand, and I'm more than happy to help those people out. They come in, and I go, oh, you know, I'm sorry. I, there's nothing really here that's worth your time. You might want to just donate it to a library or something. Um, or, oh, look at this. You've actually got some stuff here. You might want to take a, a you know, closer yeah, get look. Some real money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I get a lot of people who are like, "How much? How, yo, how much is for the? How much are you gonna buy for the Death of Superman? I'm not. Yeah. How much is it worth? Five bucks, maybe. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> so. But, you know, it's part of the business. This, this is the thing I love. This is the thing I'm sitting here doing day in and day out. And it's just one of the little one of the little things that we deal with. There are worse ways to spend a day. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as much as I like to kvetch about it, it really is a dream job. So I'm just picking nits. Okay. So now, ladies and gentlemen, we're 
we've gotten to the point in the show where I, Len, will just sit here and listen as Brandon and JD do what they have been waiting eagerly <laughs> yes. all day to talk talk about, and that is talk about Spider-Man Far From Home. Now, let me be clear, Leonard. I'm not sitting here waiting to talk about Spider-Man Far From Home. I already did a podcast about it, which you can find on this stream. Well, on the Coke on, Pop stream, yeah. not the Black Tribble stream. Noel and I went to go see... Nope, Terry. Terry. Terry Leahy and I went to go see... I'm so used to going with Noel. Terry Leahy and I went to go see a press screening last week, thanks to our friend Len. You're welcome. And uh, we did a real quick, and by quick I mean about an hour, <laughs> uh, review... Um, which is spoiler-free at first, but then about 25 minutes in, we uh, got to spoilers. Terry Leahy, look who it is. Look who just, I, he's like Candyman. You, you talked him up. You, I say it, and he shows up. Cheers, we're burning. Hey, buddy. I was just promoting the um, Far From Home trail um, podcast we did. It's a good podcast. Everyone should listen to it. But that's not to say that Brandon doesn't want to talk about it. I would like to hear what Brandon has to say about Spider-Man Far From Home. I liked it. Yay! Thanks so much for listening to our show. We can go. We will talk at you. No. Um, so uh, we don't want to spoil too much of it, right? Do we not? Why would we? That's a good point. It only has aren't been out a day. Right. Like, I did a podcast about it that says spoilers start at 20, 20 minutes in. So Let's should we do, do that? Spoilers okay. So you liked it? I did, especially that was a bit of a surprise for me because I I liked Homecoming. I don't think I liked it as much as most people. Mm. So, and I do feel that this movie had some of the same issues that I had with Homecoming, but I also felt like some of the things that I really liked about Homecoming were done more in this film. Yeah, and that's that's what I really liked about it overall. What I like <laughs> about these movies, and it took me a little bit to, and I said this on the podcast. Once I sat down and started watching it, it was a pump it was a brake pump of all of the crazy stuff that was going on with infinity war and endgame and now it's oh it's a high school vacation mm. this is what i did on my summer vacation and like oh there's mysterio so uh it did take me a little bit of adjusting plus there's the aspect of you've got things like winter soldier which is marvel movie meets spy film espionage yeah and this is these spider-man movies are marvel movie meets high school comedy mm -hmm. or dramedy so i was also a bit of an adjustment so i think once i settled back into what it was i really liked it but there was a little bit of me in the beginning and towards the middle where i was like gosh i don't i don't know if i'm enjoying this as much as i was expecting to enjoy it are we Being, talking about Homecoming or Far From Home? Far From Home. Okay. No, Homecoming, it was like the first big Spider-Man movie of like him back in, so I had that. Plus it was like, oh, here's him interacting with Tony, and I thought all of that was really interesting. And, oh, we've got the Vulture played by uh, Michael, Michael Keaton, Keaton, who was amazing. So you get all these things. And um, now it really is like, okay, we know what the flavor of this new Spider-Man is. The question is, are we enjoying it? Gotcha. So, um... I would say the movie is is real good. It's real good. Mm -hmm. But it's not until a certain point that I was like, oh, there we go. Now we're moving forward. Now it's good stuff. Now I'm now interested where yeah. that was. I would say it's after the movie. 
Mm. Oh. The movie itself is a nice yeah. that. Mm, yeah. The movie itself is a is a Spider-Man adventure. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a story from the comic books. The Mysterio shows up. We take it from there. Great. And it's not until the credits start rolling that the I really stop rolling. that I really appreciated it. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's a strange thing to say. But you'll Wait, see when I now mean. I'm confused. Are you talking specifically about a post-credit scene, or do you mean that? Yes. Okay. There cool. are two post-credit sequences. Right. That make the movie for me. So, so they they make the movie itself, or they make the experience of going there to watch the movie worth it. Both. Yeah, both. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, personally, I like. For me, the post-credit scenes, uh, they they interest me. Mm-hmm. Like it's an interesting. I'm interested in where they're gonna go from there. But I, I still really liked the whole everything before that too. Especially. Well, no, it's not that I didn't like right, it. Right, I get it. It's that I had a certain critique of it while I was watching it. Of like, oh yeah. Oh, this is really just an issue of the of the book. It doesn't have much to do with the broader Marvel universe and where we're headed. Right. So it's not until that 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 little nitpick of mine got answered. So okay. the, the post credit scene actually, as opposed to being like a post credit scene that kind of is just a setup for something else. Right. You know, what's next. Or is next, a gag. Right. This one actually informs upon what preceded yes. it and thus kind of coalesces it all into that much tastier and satisfying a meal for you. Yes. Interesting. Now, now I'm not sure which one you're talking about. Well, tough titty toenails because we're not going to spoil um, it. We can, can talk we off air. Can we talk about anything from Endgame? No. Yes or no? What do you mean? Yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah. Spoilers are gone. We're good for Endgame. For Endgame. Okay. We're, we're good. We're good. I'm so... I hope no one else can hear. I'm so glad Tony Stark is dead. Oh my I God. I think You're that really made this movie much better because mm-hmm. for me I didn't like that he was like a an Iron Man light, yeah. And I feel like with no Iron Man that's not possible anymore. Uh-huh. And I felt that really allowed Peter to grow into more of his own as a as a character in this. Yeah. So that was that was a large part of why I liked this movie more. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. It's funny. I, I never read this iteration of Spider Man as Iron Man light. Yeah, See, I would say the opposite. I would say now that Tony is gone, they're making him Iron Man light. Yeah, I feel like um, I can see where you're coming from with that. But I still like to me, I guess I can see it. But it's more that he didn't have the safety net in this movie of Tony Stark. I think right. maybe that's what I like. Oh, more. sure. OK, yes, that I'll go along with. Yeah. Yeah. But overall. Great movie. I think it's a great addition to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I was a little worried moving forward after Endgame, like, oh, we're on in a whole new phase. Like, I know there's three phases of the universe, but now we're moving on to a, a new era. That's what it is. That's it's not a whole new, era. new era. That's not. This is the end of an era. They said well, that know, this yeah, is but, but, what they're saying, like from this moment on. Right. Yeah. We're on on you know uncharted, uncharted, ter- ter- yeah. uncharted territory. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So now there was something else you wanted to talk about, Brandon. Was there? Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. Was it a I, television show? I wanted to talk to when about. Oh well, fuck you. Oh, do you mean? <laughs> I don't know. Do you mean Euphoria? I'll leave. I'll just go. I don't know what I don't know. You what it won. Was. We're so excited about Sandman. Oh yeah, Sandman's coming, guys! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> cool. Neil Gaiman's Sandman has been um, 
Yeah, it'd be very different if it was Stan Lee's Sandman. It's a whole yeah. different thing. Yeah. Neil Gaiman's Sandman has been picked up, I believe, by Netflix. Si, senor. Yes, it is going to be developed by Neil Gaiman himself. Um, and I think someone, uh, someone else it's, is going to be yeah. a showrunner uh, on there for him. Now, let me ask you this, Len. Yes. Do you care? I kind of care. Only because I never got into Sandman. Me neither. But I know it's this acclaimed, you know, property for mm-hmm. for years and years and years. Oh, so so I'm looking as at, at this as a way for me to maybe get into this could it. be the bridge. This, this could, could be, be the, the one that, that brings in. you. Right. Yeah, okay, I feel that. I feel that because I I got three volumes into that nine ish nine volume run. I think it's eight. Maybe I don't know. Eight volume run. And maybe nine because they just put out something else new within the last couple of years. Well, there was Overture. Okay. Which was actually great. Overture yeah, but was it, but awesome. it was it was Sandman. Yeah. You know. So yeah, I just have three volumes in and I don't care. So because we're here at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex, occasionally we get people walking through the studio, if you want to call it that, uh, the table where we do the podcast at, and uh, my good friend Brian Lieb. Hey, hey. Here he is. So uh, I don't care about Sandman. Len here does not care about Sandman. But you are a big Sandman guy. Oh, yeah. You're Johnny Sandman. Sandman. That's how everyone calls you Johnny Sandman. Which is a bit of a misnomer because my name's Brian Lee. Yeah, weird, but, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm real into it. It's exactly a misnomer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a literal <laughs> it's not even meaning a bit. of the word misnomer. <laughs> yeah. so, um, it's been misnomed. Do you like the Sandman? Yeah, I really do. And, you know, the very first Sandman I read was... Um, it was like a one-off story, as many of them are, mm-hmm. and but it was years and years uh, ago. It was I was like 13 years old or mm-hmm. so, something like that, and I was just way into superhero stuff and only yeah. superhero stuff. And I read it and I liked it, and I was like, eh, no more for me. Do you, you remember? <laughs> do you remember what story it was? Yeah, it was. I was trying to remember the title. I can't remember the title. It was the one with um, the. Let's see. There was. It's a deal that he made with. Uh, with the uh, three witches. No, a guy oh. who ran, the, uh, he was like the sultan of uh, an Arabic country. Right. And um, and he made a deal to preserve that country forever. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I remember he goes down and he's like, in some vault, there were, there were two eggs, and one of them was a phoenix egg, but that was a story for another time. You know, and yeah. he was really great at, like, creating a whole world in your peripheral vision. Yeah. Um, which I really liked. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think the other egg was important to the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I am not – I'm a real ground-level kind sure. of reader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are characters that I don't really care that much about because of the cer- certain flowery way that they may speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, Thor comes to mind. Mm. When certain people write Thor from the Marvel Universe, they really create – a flowery sort of speak for him. Almost a full Shakespearean type yeah. of yes. yeah, yeah, vibe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's the when you I... is really what people would say when a lot of people say the, they back in those days would say you. Just like the and I do. Yeah. You know? Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I think I felt that way about Sandman where I would try... I like the stories he's telling, mm-hmm. but I don't like the way they're being told to me. Um... It's very sort of it has a poetic sort of influence, yeah. um, and it's it just doesn't. I'm more of a ground level reader, yeah. you know what I mean? So guy. I'm a Spidey guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but it's also one of the things where it causes me a little bit of like, 
well, I should, everyone tells me how good it is. And what am I missing? Maybe I need to read it. Maybe I need to just push my way through. And so, yeah, I've gotten three volumes in. Season uh, of the Mist, Season of the Mist, Volume Four. Oh, definitely the best. In That's my the one. But That's but, the one. Everyone I mean, keeps telling me, get this. You know what? Yeah. Just wait till you get the Volume Two. Wait till you get the Volume Three. Just yeah. wait till you get the Volume Four. Man, I'm running out of volumes. Just wait till you get to Volume Ten. Yeah, and you'll be done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, for me, um, you're you were talking about how you don't really like me the story. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not that I don't. You like don't the like story. how it's told. Yes, I felt kind of the opposite. Where like I didn't dislike the stories, but to me they were just fine. I yeah. but I did really like how it was told. Yeah, which is like I read Sandman. I read it twice now, and the wow. first time I read it, I liked the beginning, and then I kind of started. I kind of finished the last bitch just because I was a completionist. But the second time I read it, I was like. I expected the same thing to happen, and I knew that there was a certain point where I stopped liking it, but I couldn't remember when. And then I kept expecting it, and then it just never came. Like right, I right. just really liked like it. I like all of this. Yeah, this the time. whole way through. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, also, salmon's great. As we were to to bring it full circle to what we were talking about earlier, the art in all of those books is not any kind of art that speaks to me. Well, it's yeah, it, that's one of my favorite. Like I'm not usually a guy who is. Mm-hmm who is especially into the art. Like, I like it, but it's not usually something that will draw me in. Mm-hmm. But with Sandman and Lucifer, you know, the the art style, that kind of fantasy mm-hmm. style and the colors that are used, yeah. I, I really like. Nice. Yeah, All right, yeah, yeah. cool. Now, what do you think about Sandman coming to... Netflix. Oh, I'm so into it. Yeah? Way into it. I mean, I would have been into it regardless, just with the opening announcement. But then yesterday I saw, you know, he, uh, Neil Gaiman had said some more about it. And he was like, I think somebody was like, um, made some comment, you know, like, well, Netflix will do their own thing with it. You know, what people don't know is that Sandman itself was a reboot and a reinvention. Yes, yes it was. Yep, yep. Yes, uh, created by Jack Kirby. Yep. Yeah. Oh, was that Jack Kirby? Well, basically his whole reinvention. No. The Wesley Dodds one was Jack Kirby? The Wesley Do- No. Was it Jack Kirby? No. Wesley Dodds was before Jack Kirby. Wesley Dodds was not Jack Kirby. There was a Sandman in between Wesley yeah, Dodds the, um, and Neil Gaiman's Hammond. one. Right, yeah, that that somebody. Yeah, that was yeah. actually Jack Kirby. Really? Oh, yeah. That's cool. okay. yeah. Who shows up a little bit mm-hmm. in, in Sandman? That's one of the cool things about Sandman too. Is like it takes place in the superhero universe mm-hmm. if you know the superhero universe, right? But if you don't, then they're just like other unusual elements in Sandman. Mm-hmm. You were talking about yeah. what Neil Gaiman had mentioned. Oh, recently. he said uh, somebody was like, "Oh, you know, this will be a reinvention. The old one is a reboot. A lot of people don't know. It. Give it a chance." Neil Gaiman replied, "Nope." This is Sandman. I'm not reinventing anything. Nice. And in another thread, he was like, no, it's the same story, but 30 years later. Yeah. And he's involved, David Goyer, who... That's who it is, I David mean, Goyer. Dark City, which was yeah, awesome. I do like Dark City. He's not, he's not always the best at adapting a no, superhero he's not. thing. No, nope. he's not. a superhero thing. Yeah. You know, it's its own thing. Yeah, and I think he's probably there probably because he just at least knows the workings of the TV side, you yeah, know, production side. Yeah, on screen. Right, right. Although Gaiman did Good Omens just recently, and... That was a great story on screen and a great adaptation. Good Omens is, is not bad. I've checked out a couple of, of, of episodes. It's not bad. He's still he's got a hit with American. No, that's not him. Oh, American Gods. Yeah, that's, that's him. That is him. That's, that's, him. that's, that's him. I don't think he's written any of them. Right. But he is now on as an executive producer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if anything, I think I like season two better than season one. And, and that, season one so, was awesome. Somebody so, else, else is telling yeah. me that. I haven't yeah. watched a single episode. It's really good. Um, it's a lot like Sandman and, and that kind of stuff. A lot of mm-hmm. um, esoteric you know, uh, metaphor yeah. as life kind of thing. Sure. Right. Um, which I really like his abstract ideas, mm-hmm. you know. 
but without as much flowery speak yeah. in yeah. American Although, Gods. that I wanted to, if I may, take this opportunity to quote. Nope. All right. All right. How about so this much. opportunity? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this one we'll give you. This Go. is from Lucifer, actually, uh-huh. but it's just, it's one of my favorite quotes, uh, you know, around, and it's it's a flowery speak, and I want to run it by you guys, right? Okay. You just stop recording when I... Sorry, <laughs> 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 yes, continue. All right, great, great. Okay, we shut so, everything off. Go ahead. So it's, uh, this is from Lucifer. Mike Carey wrote that one. He says... To despair is a terrible sin we had been taught, the conscience that makes cowards of us all, the surrender that makes the worst inevitable. And yet now, in good truth, all other options seem finally to have been exhausted. Ooh, that's dark. Yeah. It's would, a really I, cool I would, way to say that, though, right? I would like to point out, he wasn't not reading that off of anything. That came straight out of his brain meat. Indeed. I've repeated it to myself many times, because wow. it's a cool quote. That is good. Yeah. And you like scaring yourself because your voice is <laughs> slightly terrifying when you say that quote. Well, that, when I first met Brian, um, and I would refer to him before I remembered his name, because it did take me a while, um, I would be like, oh, the guy with the voice. Yeah. And like, oh, yeah, and everyone that guy. Knew. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sweet. I was just thinking my favorite quote is um, when he's talking to, when Lucifer's talking to, San, to Morpheus, and Morpheus says, or, uh, Lucifer quotes, what's his name, Milton. He quotes um, Paradise Lost, and he's like, "It's better to have ruled to rule in hell than to serve in heaven." Mm. And then Sandman's like, "Well, if you say so," or he's like, "You said it, not me." And then Sandman's like, "No, I didn't. Milton did." (laughs) And I just really like that line where it's like, he's not like even though they're similar, like the Paradise Lost version and the the Gaiman version, they're not the same character. And that's something I always really liked is that, like, just because the Paradise Lost version was fine, was content to be in hell, that doesn't necessarily mean that Gaiman's version is. Part of my problem with Sandman might be I need to take my Adderall because there are certain sorts, kinds of stories that I have trouble grasping onto mm-hmm. mentally and, like, sticking with yeah, without drifting off. Gotcha. And so because of the structure of, of the series, um, I get distracted easily away from it. It is very, like, I wouldn't use the words correctly, relaxed or slow-paced, mm-hmm. but it's very atmospheric, and it's very yeah. much like a, it's, it's a not action-packed yeah. at all. Right. And he's not even in a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but some, right. some the, of the, the Sandman himself, right. Is when he's not around. In fact, I don't think they call him Sandman more than three or four times. Mm. Um, well, there's Morpheus. Yeah. Just yeah. Morpheus, mostly, or Dream, or yeah. uh, Lord Shaper, yeah. uh, which I think is just Morpheus. Uh, See, like, even while we're talking about it, I find myself going, I kind of, maybe I should just, you know, I'm just going to go, maybe I'll just try it again. I'll just try it again. And this keeps happening to me, and it's going to keep happening (laughs) until I get to the end, and I'm like, all right, done. See, but you know what? I'm content with, like, I'm not into the Sandman. I've looked at it. I've checked it out. I can appreciate from what I've seen and the little bits that I've read, oh, this is quality stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just not for me. Yeah. So I'll never knock it. And when people want to hail it as one of the greatest things ever, I'm like, hey, I'm right with you there. Yeah. I just can't speak from personal experience. But it's just not for me. Yeah. So, you know, God bless. But my question to you, J.D., well. is because before we turned on the microphones, one of the things that you had mentioned, one of the reasons why you were not into this, is because you don't believe that this adaptation of Sandman will actually ever happen. No. Well, yeah, yes. 
<laughs> but my the way I approach every bit of news like this, mm -hmm. including Preacher, Lock and Key, things that I am genuinely excited about, is Hollywood is a fickle mistress, mm -hmm. and just because something has been announced does not mean it's going to happen. Yeah, true. Um, there are things that had come down the pike that I had just been like, never going to happen. Edgar Wright's Ant-Man. As soon as I heard that, I was like, never going to happen. Um, I'm trying to remember there was another example that wound up not happening. Let's say, for instance, Tarantino's R-rated Star Trek. Mm. Never going to happen. Mm. There's just things that don't feel like they're actually going to get off of the ground for red tape or other reasons. Mm -hmm. And getting things to the screen is a difficult process and has to go through a lot of... Red tape and stuff. And, and loopholes and, mm. you know, has to jump through a lot of hoops is what I mean to say. So, yes, it would be nice if it came came to fruition. I'll probably check it out. And maybe it would be, like we said earlier, for you, me and you, Len, the bridge into that universe that we finally just like, oh, it's like when you don't like a band until you hear a specific song and then that song finds you and something inside you clicks and you go, ah, here we go. Now I like this band. It's a bridge into the rest of their oeuvre. Like Am I saying that word right? Oeuvre. Oeuvre, damn it. Yeah. Um, hmm? It's like the first season of a sitcom, right? It's like, right, all like, right. Yeah, it's fine. But then once you know the characters, you're like, oh, he did it again. Oh. Yeah, you know, that's like, true. You go back and watch the first <laughs> one, and true. you're like, classic John, yep. always doing John stuff. Yeah, just yeah. John ended up John all over the up. joint. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That's 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 what I mean when I say I don't think it's going to happen. So, it's is there anything about Sandman, the property in particular, that makes you think that this is... Well... I think it has to do with how I feel about the series in general, which is it's a bit esoteric. Mm -hmm. I don't think that people are going to be banging down the door for these types of stories on, I was going to say the big screen, but yeah, the small screen. Mm -hmm. I don't think that Sandman is something that's that's got um, television legs. I would like to be surprised by humanity, and I would like them to sit down and see it and go, oh, wow, it's really dealing with some themes here. It's things that we're not used to seeing on television. This is really trying to tell me something about something. Mm -hmm. And then come back for it week for week or even just binge the whole thing. Uh, there's not a lot of punching in it. Mm -hmm. So do you see what I'm getting at? I see what you're getting at. The reason why I think this will definitely happen is because one like we've already talked about neil gaiman is a proven property as far as on television on multiple you know channels and, and streams already with like multiple exactly yeah, yeah. right two i think that as opposed to a feature film the the storytelling nature of Sandman, like you mentioned, like Morpheus is sometimes not even in the books. Yeah. Very episodic. The, and it's okay. very, very episodic. You know, there are like different stories that take place in different places with different characters and stuff like that. My favorite one is the serial killer convention. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that lends itself to television, mm -hmm. right? No, for sure. Mm. And even more so lends itself to something like Netflix, which um, like thrives on that type of stuff, thrives on series that maybe have more of an anthology feel, such mm -hmm. as Black Mirror, and now Ooh. they're doing a whole second season of the animated uh, Love, Death, and Robots oh, yeah. and everything like that. that. Cool. So I think they thrive on that as well. Three, Netflix 
is losing all of their Disney and Marvel stuff, yeah. and they're looking to supplant it with as much as they can. Yeah. They uh, um, can't get Mark Miller's stuff to the screen quick enough. Quick enough, yeah. you know. Um, but they know that even with Mark Miller, some of his properties, eh, it's, it, it's kind of iffy. You know what I mean? Mm. Whether or not it, that's really going to hit. But they're hoping that that's going to supplant kind of like that superhero crunch. Neil Gaiman is going to give them a little something different, a little like horror, supernatural, a little bit more thoughtful. Mm. And that type of stuff can thrive on Netflix. I think this will definitely hit and I think it will find a big audience. I am glad that you are so optimistic about it. Um, I felt that way about Preacher. Preacher found an audience and it made it to the screen. It made it, it made it to the screen. Yeah. Uh, I don't watch it. <laughs> I, I watch and like I'm a huge Preacher fan and I feel like that could have been done really well but just the process of bringing it to the screen changed it in such sure. a way that I don't find it recognizably preacher. The reason I'm not worried about that in particular is because Neil Gaiman has written two episodes of Doctor Who and in his second episode it got heavily changed and it's not a very well liked episode and ever since then he's made it a point to have a lot of creative control whenever anything he does gets adapted. So I think this this will be the same way where it will It'll be adapted properly because he'll be heavily involved or he wouldn't sign off on it. Mm-hmm. And I think Good Omens is proof that when he wants, when he gets involved, the, sh- the thing does well. Or if it does, even if it doesn't do well, it's true to the source material. Yeah. All right. Or American Gods also. Yeah. It's a very recently done, very similar kind of feel. Mm-hmm. And one of the major complaints about American Gods is it's slow. But the people who like it do like it and it got a second season. And, you know, I think... Like HBO is doing that Watchmen thing now, yeah, yeah, which kind of has a similar feel in a way. It does. Like, hey, this is uh, it's comics, but it's a little bit different, and it's a little more thoughtful. And uh, um, another thing you had said about the episodic nature reminds me of Star Trek, right? Yeah, like the shows. I mean, the movies are great, but the shows are really where Star Trek is great, right? Because not every episode needs to have some great character arc right. for the cast. Right, it's a character arc for the guest stars, you know. And I think that's why a movie Sandman wouldn't work as well. Mm-hmm. Even though there is an arc for the character, it's more about the individual things. I think TV could be could be great for it. It seems mm-hmm. like a pretty done deal. And, great. you know, right now, Neil Gaiman, like I said, has two successful properties. You're true. So, you're right. You're correct. Yeah, hopefully. And like I, you said, this more strange kind of comic book properties yeah. are hitting now. Because yeah. you remember Umbrella Academy, Umbrella yeah. Academy was a hit. Yeah, yeah. One of the big things that people are talking about off that DC Universe app is Doom Patrol. Swamp right. Thing. Right, right. And Swamp, Swamp and Swamp Thing, thing right. as well. I Swamp Thing, but that show is rad. You know what I mean? So that type of stuff is like, you yeah. know, it's bubbling up. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm confident. I'm pretty excited. Fingers crossed. I hope it's good. I think Preacher's problem that is that it was on a- AMC. AMC. And AMC was so hungry for another Watchmen mm. that they had their fingers all in Preacher and like kind of like messed around. Yeah. It could have hit a little early, right? Like maybe Marvel's successes have, have indicated, yeah. oh, we could just do the source material. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Good Omens was the source material. American Gods is the source material. And maybe yeah. that is uh, <laughs> gotten through to, to people. Very true. Hi, Noel. Hey. hey. It's Noel. Mr. Bartocci. Hey. I brought your cereal lid back. Hi, guys. Hey. Hi. What are we talking about? I got a take. We uh, Sandman's <laughs> coming to television. 
Oh yeah, actually, I wanted to talk about to with you about this the other day uh-huh. about things that private like <laughs> about it was bedroom. It's about talk. <laughs> things that I don't want to read that I feel like I have to now. Ah, see, yeah, ah, yeah. Well, why do you feel you have here? To? Hold on, let's make a let's make a blood pact. Sans blood. What if we each? Come I don't know. Now. Should we? I don't know because I already read volume one. I'm just thinking. There's three of us. Well, Len, do you even care? No. You're not you even going to do it. Yeah, individual I don't, stories. I don't feel like, like volume I need to. three. I got volumes one, two, and three. Okay. I read all of those because those are good starter starter things. And you still haven't felt like you needed to continue? Uh oh. I don't. I, don't, I mean, like I. Don't. I think I tried the first issue or first chunk of it and. Mm-hmm. Gave it away after like three years of not now reading it. Now I do it. have a really beautiful omnibus up there, leather bound. For sale. For Here sale. Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex. At forty three twenty seven Main Street in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, one nine one two seven. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very excited for the show. Yes. I still don't really care to read it. Volume so, one is not really Sandman. Like it is obviously it's Sandman one through eight, but <laughs> according to. <laughs> So it's not a misnomer. No, you should. It's a nomer, spot on. (laughs) It's a good nomer. It's a good nomer. It's it's a non-nomer. No, it's just, even according to him, he said he didn't really know what he was doing until issue eight, and that's when he really hits the Sandman stride, and you can tell in it, he's, it's in a superhero universe, Morpheus, like, sees Jean Jean's and he's like, oh, these superheroes have sprung up since the last I was here. I've got to keep an eye on them. That's gone. I don't want to sound like a hater, but that's the same kind of... I'm, I'm feeling the same kind of reflex I feel when somebody tells me, hey, give this TV show a chance. Just it doesn't get good until 52. the third season. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. why do I have to watch three seasons for it to be quote-unquote good? No, yeah. see, that's the thing, though. You don't have to read volume one. Oh, like, well, I started just... with volume two just because one wasn't available at the bookstore, and it that was great. And then eventually Preacher. I went back and I read it, and mm. I liked it because I was already into it. Mm. But you don't have to read it, you know. Here's the thing, though. Here's here's my trouble with this: is no, I'm not interested in it. But when people talk to me about it, I'm interested in it, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? No, they just make it sound interesting. But when you actually pick it up, it just doesn't grab you. Yeah. So just just feel just like, accept it. Just accept that they love it. Uh huh. It's, it's their baby. It's, it's how I feel about Preacher. Preacher is your favorite comic book of all time. It is. So you will go on at nauseum about Preacher, right? I mean, I go on an appropriate amount. Which is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's great. It's never going to hit me. I tried yeah. it. Yeah. And it's not bad. Just not for me. That's cool. That's cool. I, I, I certainly understand it not being for people. Uh, well, I mean, the same goes with Sandman. Like, yeah. the... the um, it's probably why impression, he brought it up. The impression of Sandman is just like <laughs> Gothy. What's that? Gothy. Go- oh yes, yes. Like that impression of yeah. uh, like I actually I didn't read it when it was coming out because of how I felt like it was so very much in that other corner that doesn't interest me at yeah. all because I was a young immature reader, right? Yeah. So like I was reading my stuff over here and everyone over there was just like writing stories about death and hurt. And wearing all black. And it's yeah. just like, well, that's not for me. I'm going to yeah. go over here. Yeah. And then years later when I tried it, it felt impenetrable, so I didn't bother. Yeah, That was actually my first impression of Sandman, too, although a little bit different. I sort of started the story earlier. I read one issue when I was a kid, was only into superhero stuff, like DC, Marvel, anything else, no. And I really liked it, but it didn't compel me to go back. Mm-hmm. I think around that time I read Good Omens and mm-hmm. loved it, but... I don't know that I knew that they were by the same person. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then later on, I went back and I picked up volume two of Sandman because I had been reading Lucifer. 
the Destiny That's character was in there. That's another one everyone tells me is so good. Yeah. Oh my god, I, it's. I think they're about to release an omnibus of that one. Mm. Say again. I think they're about to release an omnibus nice. of mm. of Lucifer. Yeah, it's another, one. and I have a feeling that may be more of a bridge for me Could be. than yeah. Sandman because yeah. that looks more like it's yeah it's Lucifer, but it seems like a very ground level Lucifer. Right, it's not. It's not as floral, as opposed to subterranean. Right, Mike Carey <laughs> yeah. does not write as floral as uh, San. Well, as am no, I right? Oh, I mean that quote was from Lucifer, so he does get mm. into that. But mm. no, I, probably not quite as much. Mm. Am I right while. that Lucifer maybe has more of a Hellblazer kind of vibe to it? Uh, I've not read that much Hellblazer. Hellblazer's actually. my dude. Hellblazer's cool. I mean, it's cool. I just haven't read that much. I think I've read the Mike Carey one and maybe one or two others. Um, because it has the same title as a Lucifer, mm. and I got it accidentally. Yeah, I, my impression was Lucifer was a little bit closer to like a procedural. It was more of a yeah, yeah. like no, no, no. The series is definitely yeah, like yeah. a procedural. No, I mean the book too. It has like a beginning, middle, and end. It's not as like expansive and yeah. Atlian as yeah, as yeah, yeah, yeah. like flower. Like you're trying to say flower. Sandman. Yeah, like Sandman is. Yeah, yeah. it's not as um, ethereal. There you go, ethereal. Ethereal. Damn it, no. There you go. It would, Thanks, yeah, buddy. I would say definitely. It is not as ethereal. It is more. It is a little more grounded. He has a goal, and he works in pursuit of that goal. He's the master manipulator. <gasps> that's what. Thank. That's what I want out of the Sandman. I have mm. not been able to give it, let's say, an elevator pitch mm. for this is uh, what okay. Sandman the series yeah. is. Do you want to hear Gaiman's elevator pitch? Yeah. The King of Dreams must either change or die and he makes his decision nope not right. enough wait <laughs> cool i would love to see that over the course of 11 hour-long episodes <laughs> exactly exactly it's oh, not going to happen this one this thing is only volume one that is so it's going to be 75 issues there's no way it's going to be nine seasons it's going to yeah. be like maybe four or five oh, tops it'd be amazing if it was 10 though and do you think it's going to happen well they gave a go for 11 yeah. but do you think it's going to happen oh I mean, they, they've been given money to do it, oh, okay. so it's, it's going to happen. Budgeted. Yeah, I guess it's going like, to happen. Like this is the closest it's ever been to actually happening. Okay, and that was the other thing, you know, talking to Len about why I don't think it's going to happen. They, it's one of those series that they've been talking about forever and ever and ever, bringing mm -hmm. to a screen of some sort, yeah. and has never happened. I'm just nervous with because I didn't know about the 30 years later thing. That seems weird to me. I don't think no. that, I, I don't think he means what you think he means. Yeah, it's just like previously it was said in the present. And now it's set in the Oh, okay, cool. But That's, it's 30 years later. Because I was present. like... The way Brian a, said it made yeah, it yeah. sound like 30 years after the events of Sandman. Oh, no, not at all. Yeah, because no. like, no, no, no. the way, cause the way Sandman ends, it's like, well, eh. Oh, That's yeah. weird. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And that elevator pitch also is more of a like, hey, if you've already read the series, this is a pretty cool two sentences. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. What I So like, let's say for instance, it took me a long time to figure out the elevator pitch for a preacher because people like, I'm like, oh, it's my favorite series of all time. They go, all right, great. What's it about? And I go... <laughs> so, um, basically, For this audio God medium, abandons face. Uh, God abandons humanity. Jesse makes it his um, goal to track down God and kick his ass for abandoning humanity. That's the elevator pitch for Preacher. Sounds interesting. Right. I tried Preacher right after Lucifer because I was like, oh, I want some more like angels and and hell stuff. I not at all the same. And no. I was like, I should maybe I think try you this would later. be more into Hellblazer. I like to, you know, I mean, Constantine's good. He shows up in Sandman, too. Mm -hmm. It'd be awesome mm -hmm. if Matt Ryan played him. Oh, yeah. Oh, that would yeah. be cool. Um, all right. Are we done? 
I feel like we've done a sufficient amount of show. Hour and 22 of show. That sounds like a sufficient amount of this show. Is a sh- we did a show. We've done a show. All right. Thank you so We're the much little for rascals. joining us. At the, I- it's a very old reference. Yeah. Wow. Um, Look, some references can be from my era. That's true. It's okay. True. Um, all right. Thank you so much for joining us. Len, why don't you tell the people where they can find us? Why, you can find us on any place that you find all podcasts. iPod, iTunes, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, any place you find podcasts. You can check us out on ColtPopGo.com. That's where you can check out all of JD's podcasts, including Spoiler Alert, um, this show, and the... His horror the podcast. Horror podcast. The one Where Cannibal Horror. Cannibal Horror podcast. Uh, you can also find the Black Tribbles. Go to blacktribbles.com where you've got Gutter Talk. You've got the Ghouls Next Door. You've got the Garble podcast. And of course, you've got the Black Tribbles live Thursday uh, radio show there as well. Um, email us at copopgo at gmail.com at blacktribbles.com. Support Johnny Destructo's Patreon. His Patreon. It's just it's Johnny Destructor's Hero Complex, I think. There you go. Uh, and also, you can check out my Instagram comic strip, Batman's Whiteboard. We do silly stuff on there. We, we bug out. Um, if they want to get in touch with you, Brandon, how can they? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't have the social medias. You don't have the social medias, so they will not be catching you. Okay. All right. And yes. And I can be found at brianleib.com or brianleibdesign.com. They both go to the same place. Brian Lieb Design. What can they find at Brian Lieb Design? Oh, various designs that I have done. I do like product design and that kind of thing, although that's not the only thing I do. That's the only thing I have a website for. That is spelled B-R-I-A-N-L-I-E-B Design. <laughs> go there. His design is as nice as his voice. You assume. We know. We know it has nothing nothing about plugging here. We guess. I don't know. <laughs> How do I advertise? No, anyway. All right. Um, I think that's it. Right, Brandon? Yep. So we're going to get out of here, right? Yep. And we'll talk to you later. Yep. Also, to make the references a little younger, uh, Old Town Road. Bye. Da-da-da! Yay. Yay. <laughs>